I'll say this, this is not unique to the school that I went to. Uh, anthropology, I think, has been um, essentially hijacked by neo-Marxist literature and ideology. And so it's, it's not unique to the department that I was in. Um, this is in all of uh, the, the academic papers and studies uh, currently existing within sociocultural anthropology. Um, but this girl comes to class, she has a Ted Cruz 2016 sticker on her laptop, and immediately all of the other students, you know, are immediately talking about this girl behind her back and excluding her intentionally from study groups. Um, you know, again, it was it was right before the election, and uh, one of my professors, uh, I, I had actually missed a quiz the morning of the election uh, because I was going down to vote for Hillary like a good girl. And, uh, you know, the next day I realized that I had missed a quiz, and that professor had uh, given me a pass because I went to vote. And so she just, you know, went ahead and gave me the, the points on on the uh, the quiz that I missed, um, she said she gave me the voter special, and you know, and I appreciated that. But as I'm walking out of her office, she winks at me and says, "You know, plus I'm pretty sure you voted for Hillary." Hello, and welcome to the Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show Live. I am Joe Mobley, your host. And tonight, we've got an awesome episode with you guys. We've got longtime friend of the show, and by now, he's co-hosting episodes. We've got Demis Christophe, and we also have uh, someone that I've known for a good long while now. It is, what is it right now? 2021, almost 10 years, which is weird. Um, but we've got Chelsea Lyons. We're going to be talking. Uh, well, yes, you did get a little bit clickbaited. We're, we're not going to be like flashing images of women with guns. Uh, but we are talking to a woman about firearms. She works in the firearms industry. And I, I don't even know if I could say longtime conservative, and she will tell you more about that. Uh, but someone who studied anthropology, uh, someone who spent a lot of time in Oklahoma. And today is Veterans Day, and I didn't even realize when we were doing the scheduling, but she's also an Army wife, which is a huge job. You can just ask mine. She's downstairs. <laughs> She'll tell you all about it. Uh, so that's the show that we've got for you guys. And oh, I can't find my little bumper button. It's gone. I found it. I'm going to press it now. Chelsea, how are you? I'm good, Joe. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm realizing 
that I should click through all the little tabs in StreamYard or my little assets aren't there. Uh, so it's good to see you. I got to talk to you a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get to see you. So it is actually good to see you. Good to see you. And uh, Dennis, how are you, my man? Joe, how you doing, man? First, let me thank you for your service. And, oh, it's my pleasure. And Chelsea, let me thank your husband for his service. Oh, thank you. He appreciates that. I do as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, I, I want to thank all the military servicemen and women for doing what they're doing. You know, definitely uh, they have the courage to do what they did and what they're doing now. So definitely kudos to everybody. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Um, we don't have scripts, guys. We got this post-it note. It's got, I got nothing. little things I, I, on it. I'm all right here. I, <laughs> I don't write anything down. <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't even do post-it note, but for whatever reason, something about today, I can't remember what I was supposed to talk about. Like Chelsea and I, we spoke on the phone for like 35 minutes, and we were like, boom, boom, boom. These are the topics. And guys, I don't remember what the topics were. We spoke about it again about 15 minutes ago, and I still didn't remember. So <laughs> I broke out the post-it note tonight. Uh, don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I was on Bannon today, and he was like, you know, you got any news? I totally forgot that my show was live tonight, a few hours later. Uh, anyway. I have a newborn, so I, I can claim that. Oh, excuses, yeah. bro. Excuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can claim newborn brain. The real secret is um, our youngest is a crazy good sleeper, uh, much better um, than our firstborn. So I guess we're four kids in. It's just like old hat at this point. Um, but, dude, uh, what started that thought was you said veterans, all that they had done and, and do now – I think that we're seeing a ton of vets running for office, ranging from school board, delegate, your town council, all the way up to uh, federal offices uh, or gubernatorial races, uh, which is awesome. People that hopefully have read the Constitution at least one time uh, before swearing to support, uphold, and defend it. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I just watched Paul Lott's interview. He's running for Congress in Virginia's 10th. Uh, good guy, army vet, crazy smart. Um, so free advertisement for you, Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that I got this posted now. Chelsea, tell us about yourself. Tell us uh, a little bit of your story, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, um, my name is Chelsea Lyons, as you um, as you already mentioned, and. Uh, I work in the firearm industry right now. I work in marketing for the firearm industry. I'm also in the process of writing a book on firearm culture in the United States, which that book is going to be based on the thesis that I wrote for the University of Oklahoma when I was in their Department of Anthropology. And um, if you had told me, you know, five, ten years ago that I would eventually have a career in the firearm industry or that I would be writing about firearms, I would have thought that you were absolutely crazy. Um, because probably about five or six years ago, I would have referred to myself as anti-gun. Um, not that I really knew anything about guns or had strong feelings or opinions about guns, but it was just the cool thing to be in a hyper-liberal environment. Uh, and so, you know, if you weren't an activist about everything, even things that you didn't know anything about, you know, that you could potentially be persona non grata. 
Um, so when I decided to write my undergraduate thesis um, in sociocultural anthropology on firearm culture in the United States, I didn't totally know what I was getting myself into, um, and it has been a wild ride ever since then. So I'll be honest, when, when we first met, um, I was like brand new to Fort Sill, and you were in college, and I thought this is one of those uber-liberal college white girls, because when you, actually, you didn't do this, remove yourself from this part of the story. But when I go out in the world, um, every day except Sunday, I wear my MAGA hat. I do. Guilty guys. Don't even care. I got my little Trump flag up here. And the demographic of people that hate it the most, they yell, they scream, they get in my face. I got cursed out the other day at Giant. I was getting in my car and it was the exact demographic. It's 18 to 28 year old, well-to-do white girl. Yep. Don't know why, but it's always, and there's like these four of them, they're walking, two of them get in this Mini Cooper, and while the third's getting in, the, the second one to get in, she <laughs> jumps out. She said, F you, F your hat, and F you again. Ow. And I'm like, one, I'm like a pretty sizable black dude. I mean, 6'1", I'm shit. <laughs> uh, I, I can tear a man apart in my bare hands, let alone this little skinny white girl. And just in case, I'm usually armed to the teeth. Got my friend back here. Guns, guns, guns. Like, but it's all the like she was trying to tell me how oppressed I am, how I'm a part of this aggrieved group, and I just don't see it. And and well, and then she saw my hat and was just like, "F that dude." I was waiting for her to just throw out like a stupid N word. Uh, that would have been like the cherry on top. Like, yeah, well, that's that's virtue signaling is is what that is. And and so when you don't know who you are and you don't actually have virtue or a strong sense of who you are, um, you have to react to things in that manner because it makes you feel like you have meaning and it makes you feel like you have virtue. Um, and so know, the it, girl yelling F you didn't have virtue. I'm yeah. following you. Talker. I know that she got no identity. No that's what, that. she, uh, but you know, those, those sorts of, that sort of behavior is fostered, um, in these hyper liberal academic environments. And, you know, obviously I don't know that girl personally, Ed, I don't know her story or if she is, you know, a, you know, liberal college white girl. <laughs> um, but I can certainly say from experience coming from one of those departments um, that that is the the type of behavior that is fostered there and is encouraged there because you're not taught to be a critical thinker. Uh, you're not even really taught to be a, you know, talented writer. You're taught how to be an activist. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you had guessed a couple of years back when we, when we did first meet that I was, you know, one of those typical, you know, liberal college white girls, um, you wouldn't have been that far off because, you know, several years back when I first started in academia and first started studying anthropology, that wasn't really far off from where I was. And while I never, you know, um, verbally assaulted anybody in a parking lot, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that wasn't too far off from, from where I was. So. But I, I think the key difference is 
you went in like a good scientist and I'll be honest, I usually make fun of social scientists, but hats off to you because you went in not trying to satisfy your hypothesis. You went in with the eyes wide open. And, and when we were having our informational call, you, you kind of got alerted to what was going on, the type of indoctrination by how brazen it was when you tried to, you know, commission this study. Um, can, can you talk us about that experience? Because, yeah, Chelsea was nowhere near this girl. This girl was like a 9 out of 10. Chelsea was like a 2. And I just assumed. I was just like, ah, she's probably like, you know, a free college, free everything. Yeah, I didn't talk to you about it, but it's because it's so often... 18 to 28 year old white women. It's almost like when I see one, I'm like, you're like a social justice warrior. Oh yeah. I can tell. Especially if they have blue hair. If they have blue hair, you know immediately what you're getting into. (laughs) And pink. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I started going to school for anthropology, um, Politics was actually not even what got me interested in anthropology. Uh, I started out as a photographer Um, I almost went to the San Francisco Art Institute uh, for a degree in photography, and uh, I really wanted to to study the human experience through photographs. That's what got me interested in anthropology. And so when I started my undergraduate uh, career in sociocultural, that is kind of what I was pursuing. And... Um, I didn't have a specific goal in mind. I had thought about, you know, potentially working for, you know, different blogs or, you know, something along the lines of National Geographic later on down the road and um, had no idea how political the environment was going to be. And when I got to school and I started studying um, anthropology, it became very clear very quickly how political these departments are. Um, not just in what is taught, but in also how they're ran and just the environment that is fostered. And just to give, you know, some examples, and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to, you know, depict everybody in these departments as like this evil Disney villain, right? Because they're not. A lot of them are really good people. I still have a lot of respect for many of the people who I went to school with and, and worked with as, as people, Um, but, you know, to give you a few examples, uh, there was one of the years that I was there, it was election season and a girl showed up for class, uh, with a Ted Cruz, uh, 2016 sticker, um, on. And this is in Oklahoma. So it's not like a conservative's hard to find. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. But Um, in college, big no, no. (laughs) Yeah. And in a very liberal department, he's, uh, currently existing within sociocultural anthropology, um, but this girl comes to class. She has a Ted Cruz 2016 sticker on her laptop and immediately all of the other students, you know, are immediately talking about this girl behind her back and excluding her intentionally from study groups. Um, you know, again, it was, it was right before the election and, uh, one of my professors, uh, I, I had actually missed a quiz the morning of the election uh, because I was going down to vote for Hillary like a good girl. And, uh, you know, the next day I realized that I had missed a quiz and that professor had, uh, given me a pass because I went to vote. And so she just, you know, went ahead and gave me the, the points on, 
on the uh, the quiz that I missed. Um, she said she gave me the voter special, and you know, and I appreciate that. But as I'm walking out of her office, she winks at me and says, "You know, plus I'm pretty sure you voted for Hillary." And you know, <laughs> and at the time, I'm, just, I'm like an undergraduate. I'm, I'm not you know, at the time. I'm just thinking like because you were hearing a wink and a nod was a right wing conspiracy, and then you got a wink and a nod. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, but it was uh, you know at the at the time, like I'm not questioning it. I'm not thinking that that's odd or inappropriate. That you know, my professor basically made a joke or maybe not a joke about, you know, giving me favor due to my, uh, you know, political stances. Uh, but, you know, later on, as I really started to realize how political these departments were and how everything you wanted really could be handed to you on a silver platter if you played the right politics, if you wrote on the right topics, if you got involved in the right causes. Um, and, you know, and on top of that, you know, none of these classes that I took really gave any foundation, foundational information on the basics of capitalism or neo-Marxist literature or uh, Hegelian dialectics. Like, they don't actually teach you those things, uh, but what they do is they push these hyper-convoluted texts down your throat all the time um, that you don't understand because you don't have the foundational uh, information to really make sense of all of it and, and to, you know, really tease it apart. Um, and then they just tell you how to feel about it. And, you know, I once made a joke that, you know, if you wanted to get an A in an anthropology class, all you had to do was blame everything on white men and capitalism. And, and, you know, there you go. You could turn in like the worst paper that you ever wrote, but you will pass if you blame everything in society on those two things. And, you know, that's really only kind of half of a joke uh, because your politics definitely played a part in the favor that you received from your professors, from your peers, and the right politics were obviously rewarded. I remember when we were talking, you said, uh, I, you said something like, I guess it wasn't, my topic wasn't on the Marxist professor approved checklist. And I just busted out laughing. Yeah, uh, well, yeah you. I know a girl who actually stayed in the department to write her master's thesis. And uh, when she presented the topic that she wanted to do, um, which was, you know, on, you know, kind of like some, some more localized culture, um, one of the professors, you know, really shot her down over it and, and basically told her that it wasn't meaningful or political enough. And, you know, if you, if you wanted to, if you wanted to get ahead in the department, if you wanted to be in with the professors and get recommended for the PhD programs and the scholarships and the internships, you know, there were certain things that you kind of had to care about, right? So you had to care about abortion. That was a big one. Uh, you had to be anti-Trump. Everything was, you know, again, this is 2016. And so, you know, if you weren't anti-Trump and, and, you know, making that, you know, very clear in, in your work, you know, that's a, that's a red flag right there. Um, you had to be all about the environment, everything in, you know, I've never seen so many 18-year-old experts on the environment before. Um, it was pretty astonishing. <laughs> We're all experts in environment at this point. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and so any, there were, there were certain topics that if you cared about these five things, you were, you were probably going to get ahead. 
Um, and if you didn't care about those five things, um, you know, well, maybe you don't get into one of the top 10 programs. So this is the most important interview question for the whole show. We, we need to find out exactly how woke you were in that moment when you were voting for Hillary. So it's going to be one to five AOCs. That's the woke meter. <laughs> and the question is, did you post a crying video when Trump won? Or a screaming video? <laughs> so it wasn't a video. It was a strongly worded Facebook post. Okay. Were there, a, were there crying emojis in your post? There were no crying emojis. Um, was it all caps? There might have been a few capitalized words. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you one and a half AOCs. One and a half out of five. <laughs> Chelsea, let me ask you a question. What got you into the whole gum business? Yeah, so that was a complete surprise. So um, I actually took a break from anthropology for a while. And uh, I towards the end of my my undergraduate degree, um, I was getting burnt out. Um, some things were also just not really making sense to me. Um, the, the last project that I had done, uh, which was my capstone, was, was basically me realizing uh, that anthropology was just an institution, that, you know, we're this, like, group of these hyper-woke people talking about how we're anti-institution, but we're, like, you know at this university and all of you have tenure. <laughs> and so, you know, you are the institution. And so I had, I had written my capstone on that. And then I decided to take a break and leave the department. And I ended up pursuing a second undergraduate degree in organizational leadership. Um, and right before I graduated, um, I sat down with my advisor and he told me, Hey, by the way, did you know that you only have like three anthropology classes left and you would graduate with two degrees? Um, and I was like, well, no, I didn't know that. And I may as well just do it <laughs> if I already put in all that work. Uh, but I, that's I really so weird. That's like a super left wing degree and a yeah. pretty capitalist right wing degree, like organizational business right. leadership. is. Right. You would think you would think there's some surprises in that one, too. But yeah, they're, they're squeezing it in. Everywhere. Buddy, it's all everything's built into the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. That's true. But, uh, you know, I, I decided to just go ahead. You know, I was like, well, I've, I've already put in all of this work. I may as well go ahead and complete this degree. But I didn't want to sit through, like, another class on, you know, I don't know, how to complain about the world and solve nothing. And so I decided to go back <laughs> if I could do, like, just my own project. And so I decided to do an undergraduate thesis um, via two back-to-back -back independent studies. Um and so I just sent out an email seeing like which of the professors would work, work with me. And around that time, uh, my husband, who is in the Army, uh, we were down in Fort Worth, Texas, and he took me to the Fort Worth gun show. And he asked me if I, if I had wanted to go with him, and it sounded really boring. And uh, I said no. And he said, you know, from an anthropological perspective, uh, I think you'd actually think it's really interesting so you know by the way to all of you guys out there who want to get your wives interested in guns uh just tell her that it would be really interesting from like an anthropological perspective you know <laughs> that's that's one way to get your wife to go if you do a gun show um so i decided to go with him and while i was there what i noticed was that nothing around me looked like what i had imagined the gun world looking like 
and you know all of the stereotypes that I kind of bought into during the time that I was woke. Um, that that wasn't what it looked like. There was no gunfight. There was no what. There was no gunfight over there. Nobody there was, was no like shooting fight. at each other. <laughs> yeah, there was no gunfight, and not everybody was an old white guy. You know, not oh, everybody. <laughs> and that was actually the thing that piqued my interest was that I was at this gun show, and there was every single demographic in that room. There, you know, gay men, women, guys, old, yeah, yeah, all over the place. And so I thought, huh, that's actually kind of interesting. What is it about firearms that can bring all of these different groups together? Um, you know, a big part of the of the literature that I read as an anthropology student revolved around identity politics. And so I kind of still had that a little fresh in my mind. And uh, so I decided that, you know, gun culture in the United States would be an interesting thing to study uh, for an undergraduate thesis. And so that's actually what ended up getting me interested in guns and, um, you know, completed the thesis um, at the University of Oklahoma. And then, you know, here, here we are, I guess, three years down the road. And one thing just kind of led to another. And, you know, I continued pursuing firearms because I was interested in writing a book um, on firearm culture. Um, and then I just kind of ended up in a career, making a career out of it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I didn't properly introduce myself. Um, I'm the host of Immigrant Corner. I'm an Iranian immigrant. Uh, Links below. Uh, I lived here for 27 years. I, I came wow. to this country when I was 13. I lived in California for 15 years of that 27 years. And uh, I, I had a different mindset when I lived in California. Mm -hmm. it, it's just the environment. You, you kind of get sucked into it. And, and growing up, I, I wasn't I wasn't into politics. Uh, I think the first time I was able to legally vote was for Bush, and uh, uh, Al, uh, Al Gore and Bush. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I hated Bush, so I voted for Al Gore <laughs> because I just couldn't I couldn't stand him. Mm -hmm. Then I moved from California. Then you know the entire mentality changed because now I'm in a different world, different environment, and. Um, and I'm a, I'm a huge gun advocate. I love guns, and not so much shooting it, but more like building them. So, and this oh. is a this is one thing a lot of people don't understand is uh, when it comes down to guns, a lot of people like to build them. The, yes. the gunsmith like to put them together. You know, just the functionality of it. Just mm -hmm. you know, it's it's more exciting to them than going out and shooting the gun itself. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I I build my guns from scratch because that was more exciting to me because I could actually get the parts and put it together the way I like to put it. I like to see it in my hands and all that. Then um, how I got my wife interested because she's like, I don't hate, I hate guns. I don't like guns. Yes. I'm buying that by the way. <laughs> yeah. So Palmetto State Armory, they don't give a crap about me or my show, but we're going to do a commercial for them anyway. I don't give a yeah. crap. Absolutely. They did, deserve did it. Did you this send this to one. me? Dennis, you I, sent this to me the other yes, day. I did. Patriots, <laughs> please go out and buy this right now. It's $60. I am, I am going Money to well invest, spent. I am going to invest in that lower receiver immediately. This is... Uh, uh, can Can you tell them what it says here? I don't know how big it is. Can I get uh, this bigger? So, so for safety, 
you know, it has <laughs> F word. There we go. When you want semi-auto, you go Joe, and you want full auto, you go Biden. And the the best part, the best part is the model. It's, it's it says let's go fifteen, Brandon, whatever, like zero zero zero, which is the best. That's the best model name you can ever come up with. It's gonna be well, great. well done. You can get back to your builder story. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, the first time, the first pistol I bought was a Glock, and I yeah. took my wife with me to to the to the gun store to to pick it up. And she held it. She's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Then the second thing was I took her to the range. She held it in her hand. She shot it a few times, and she was a better shot than I was, which is great. Then a few years passed, and I was like, um, uh, and I started getting to, like, painting my guns. You know, like, I started doing the uh, the, the Cerakote stuff, like, you know, just putting some design on it. Then I was like, you need your own pistol. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I don't want my own pistol and all that stuff. So last year, I just bought one for her. I didn't tell her. And I picked it up. I came home. I was like, here you go. She's like, what is this? I was like, I, you got a pistol. Then now she keeps it by her side all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really addicting once you, once you start, you know, again, my husband, he took me to a gun range for the first time. I had never been to one. And uh, the very first gun I ever shot was a CZ Scorpion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so much fun that I I was hooked on it ever ever, that ever since. Has a good kick on it though. That, that has it good... doesn't. The CZ Scorpion actually has really light recoil. Really? It's only millimeter. Yeah. And so you look at the firearm and you think that it it looks kind of intimidating. Uh, I've never but... shot it, but I think I, I I think from looking at it, I think uh, it'll have a it'll have a huge uh, uh, a kickback. Yeah, CZ yeah, has actually very, very good ergonomics on CZ firearms. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, and so it actually has some very, very low felt recoil. So you, oh, you oh. should give it a try because it would actually surprise you. So All right, I that's my own defense firearm of choice, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like a flashlight on mine. And, and uh, so if I'm, you know, like decked out. Alone, that's my bedside firearm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... All decked out. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. It's good to just have one. I have multiple firearms at bedside, and I don't want, like, an intruder to walk in on an awkward situation of me, like, <laughs> like which one of the just, – just hang on a sec. Just, like, you know, I mean, this one's got the light mounted on it. The other one, I'd have to hold the light. And yeah, they're, they're just options. <laughs> uh, so it could have worse problems. Eliza and I, I don't know if she's ever told you this story, but our our official first date, um, even though I failed so hard when I was asking her out, I asked her if she wanted to do something sometime with me. But our first date, um, when she says it's our first date, is I asked her to go to Gink's Gun Shed in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. Like, wherever the middle of nowhere is, you take two more laps, and there's Gink's Gun Shed. Um, to go pick up, I was getting a Springfield XD. Um, and I was like, hey, you want to go with me? So she, like, tells her friends, like, I this might be a date. I don't know. I'm going off into the wilderness with this black dude to get a gun. So if you never see me again. I'm sending you locations. <laughs> Yes, and now she's she's fully gun developed, 
we were thinking about getting another gun. I'm like, oh, do you want to get rid of, you know, your your previous gun? She had this little torch. She was like, no, let's keep that and get another one. Yeah. So she's arrived. She picked up a 365. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I want to get a Hellcat. This is going to turn into a gun episode. I got rid of that Springfield XD a while ago. It was awesome. It had the V10 slide with all of the, like, uh, fluted and serrations. Um, but I'm seeing on YouTube so much because it's advertising because they're after me. I keep <laughs> seeing the Hellcat with like the cool little mounted, you know, reticle. Uh, and I, and I went to the gun store and held it. I was like, oh, this feels nice. <laughs> That's how they get you. Uh, so I, I gotta, I gotta ask you this. Uh, how much, um, uh, pushback are you getting from friends and family that, you are in the gun business and you deal with the with the sales and all that stuff. Like, what do do you get a lot of pushback from your families or uh, or from your friends or former friends? Or, you know, in in some cases, I guess. Uh, so, for my family, no. Uh, my family is uh, fairly conservative. You know, I grew I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, both of my uh, both my parents are fairly conservative people, and uh, so not really any pushback from family. Uh, from friends, there there was definitely a great purge, um, as as it appeared. Uh, <laughs> basically, after I started, and you know, even to this day, I still don't consider myself like a hardcore conservative, right? I actually consider myself um, a little bit more libertarian and, and kind of middle in the road, middle of the road. Um, I'm not like a diehard Trumper. Um, I meant to bring that up in the intro. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Chelsea's not like a hardcore ride or die MAGA to the grave. Right. Um, I think at one point you said like center right, and then you said libertarian, and I was like, ah, she'll explain it herself. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, ap- well, apologies. I've I have voted, uh, you know, Republican and Democrat. I've you know there there are some Democrats out there that I actually think are awesome. I love Tulsi Gabbard. Um, yes. She's, uh, she's, she's been awesome. pretty great. It almost um, so, sounds like you think for yourself. Almost. That's, that's dangerous. Nuance to politics and, and policy ideas. Almost, Joe. Almost. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would say if I had to, you know, label, you know, my political beliefs, um, I, I would say fairly libertarian, um, probably center-right. Um, but when I started to expressed some more viewpoints that just went against the ultra woke orthodoxy. Um, there was definitely a falling away of a lot of friends and a lot of pushback. Um, pretty much any, almost everybody who I knew from like the department that, that I was formerly in, I think like two people still associate with me. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, there, there were several friends, a lot who, you know, unfriended me, cussed me out, you know, couldn't believe that I would support something like firearms or, you know, um, or come against, you know, some of these more neo-Marxist ideas. And, and, you know, I think it, it, it can be hard at, at times, you know, I think right now, conservatives especially have been in this place of not wanting to say anything that's going to rock the boat ever. And uh, so I think that over the last, you know, several years, politically conservatives have just kind of like been like the nice guy. And, you know, it's to the point where I think that things are so crazy that 
just saying something that is true is now controversial. Saying things that are true, objectively true, are, it's offensive, you know, but if you're not willing to be offensive by standing up for what you believe in, for standing up for your fundamental rights, like the Second Amendment, then what are your beliefs worth? If you're not even worth, if you're not even willing to be offensive to stand up for it. And, you know, so I, I don't know, maybe it's just my personality, like that type A personality, but I, I was really okay with, with offending a few people and, you know, losing some friends. It was, and I think, I think it's okay to be offensive, but it's, it's also okay to get offended. It's also what? It's also okay to get offended by, by others. And sure. only because if you're having a dialogue that you both are offending each other, it becomes an equal opportunity offended. <laughs> I like that. You know, you know what I mean? Better, right. You know what I mean? So you could, you, if they could go that route, you should, I, I think you should not hold back or anybody should hold back. You know, right. what gives them the right to offend you and you don't have the right to offend them? Because right. uh, uh, I, I went through this many times with different people. And uh, I, my feelings don't get hurt. I get annoyed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the fact that, you know, like I say, hey, you know, like I, I don't call names unless I get called names. So I, I try to carry the conversation. Hey, you know, how you doing? What's going on? And blah, blah, blah. We carry on the conversation. Then, you know, they, they come back and hey, you're a dumbass and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, it takes one to know one. You know, just like a simple uh, high school style, you know, pushback or like, you know, stuff like that. But it, it, I, I've had friends who, who've, who I've known for like maybe like 20, 30 years, uh, spent time with them. We hung out, you know, all this stuff. And I've had uh, also other friends who we used to work together and, you know, they, we moved and, you know, we stayed in contact or whatnot. And they, they just dropped. Yep. Which is fine. You know, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I I tell people you don't cancel a friend. We can't stop them from the, canceling the, us. The I I think whoever that's your fr- whoever you who you call friend should not and would not just drop like that. That's not a mm-hmm. true friend. A true friend will check up on you once in a once in a blue moon. A true friend will call you once in a blue moon, just to see how you're doing, regardless of your politics, because the politics doesn't really change the 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 way you guys grew up together, or like you know you guys used to hang out, or the history that came from it. And right. and I think that's I think that's what's happening here because a lot when you create the division, now you you're putting yourself into two different categories, and like you know. This category is much better than this one because this one's less extreme than this one, you know, but, you know, why do we even have to be part of a group? Right. You know what I mean? Before, before, uh, before Obama came into the picture, nobody was in that, wasn't, nobody was in that picture. Nobody was in that, that divided. Nobody cared. When the Bush was in the, when was, when Bush was in the office, nobody really gave a damn. About Bush. It almost seems like there were more white supremacists after all the white people voted for the black guy to be president. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, 
so that's why I said, like, you know, the pushback when you go into like a field, like especially with guns, a lot of people, you know, they're they're trying to, you know, dismantle the Second Amendment. They're trying to, you know, uh, say self defense is it's BS. You don't need a gun to defend yourself. You know, you could just, you know, throw some grass at the guy and he might just run away. So, <laughs> you know, um, and like you see states like Chicago, you see states like California, you see like these liberal states who have the strictest gun law. Right. Strictest gun law with the highest crime. Saying it's their neighboring state's fault for the gun violence. Right. Right? Chicago. Uh, Chicago is one example. So for for people to come and create that separation, you know, I have I have really, really good friends who are 100% liberal, 100% on the left. Good people, good-hearted people. And they love guns. Yep. And they don't come and say, no, Second Amendment has to go away. Right. And again, it's not the fact that you're using the gun to scare people. You get a joy out of it. You feel protected. Right. And the mechanical aspect of it maybe gives them a joy. Putting it together, taking it apart, oiling it, cleaning it, whatever. That aspect, the entire aspect, you could be anti-gun as much as as much as you want, but you know, you you take one, you put it in your hand, and you start putting yep. it together, you're like, oh my God, this is great. Or you yeah. shoot it. Take, and then take when that you shoot it, you're like, the range oh my God, and let them shoot one round. You bring up a really good point by saying that you have liberal friends that are very pro-gun. And I think that's an important point to make is, you know, there's there's a firearm historian named Ashley Lubinsky who um, has written really incredible pieces on the history of uh, how firearms have become so politicized and how that's actually a fairly recent uh, phenomenon within American politics. And if you go back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, you don't see that political divide with politics. And it's been something that that has been very intentional over the last 20 to 30 years to win elections. And, uh, you know, I know liberals that are uh, that are very pro-gun. And I, I think it's an important distinction to make that, first of all, firearms are not, or at least don't have to be politicized. Um, one of the biggest demographics of firearm owners is uh, trans Black women, uh, because they're, they they face so many threats against their lives on a regular basis. And um, it doesn't have to be this politicized issue. And I think it's also an, an important distinction to make between what, what I would call your kind of, uh, you know, I guess, uh, classic liberal um, or a traditional Democrat and the neo-Marxist, right? Because that's, uh, to me, those are two different things. Those are two different categories. I have, I have friends that are liberals, that are Democrats, that have voted blue for the majority of their lives, and they're very smart, rational, caring people. Um, that's a completely different thing from this woke, Hegelian, neo-Marxist ideology that is for sure starting to, to kind of hijack uh, the establishment left. I would um, thank the media for that one. 
Oh, it's for the media, you said? Oh, yeah. We could thank the media oh, yeah. for that. That's, oh, that's what they do. That's that's their job. Part of it. It's a huge part of it. But it, and another part of it is the slow march through the institutions, right? It's It's been something that has, has been intentional for decades. Um, you know, neo-Marxism has, you know, all but completely taken over um, higher education. And, you know, Joe, I'm sure, you know, you've, see, you've uh, seen it start to take over even um, elementary schools and, and uh, you know, as, as young as kids in kindergarten and in grade school with, you know, CRT. And then they want to pretend that they're not teaching CRT. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, oh, yeah, we're fighting the fight yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Demis is in Loudoun County, too. Oh, okay. They, they just had that fourth grader record the teacher who was flagrantly teaching CRT. The yes. teacher comes out and says, uh, that's a violation of my rights. False. Virginia state law is very clear. It's a single-party consent state. The student knew that they were recording. Uh, also, you weren't at home or talking with right. your friends. You were teaching in a public school. So what's the reasonable expectation of privacy that what you're doing is not going to be made public in a public school? Uh, It's in the word. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea, you're absolutely right, though. Freaking nuts. So both of you hit on Second Amendment, and we'll just touch on this because, uh, well, we do have uh, one question. Guys, if you have questions in the chat, just throw a couple of question marks up, type it out, and we'll get to it. Um, Patriot Labs, I've got your question. We'll get to it just after this. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse trial. It's all over the place, unless your head's under He's not guilty, bro. He's not guilty. Yeah. He's in the the prosecution's own witnesses have very clearly established the fact that this was self-defense. Not only the media said he's a white supremacist thug, a white <laughs> dude shoots three white dudes, and it's white supremacy's fault. Well, like, they, they were little, what? those white guys that had a little darker complexion than 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 Kyle did. So <laughs> they they saw a little bit more sun than he did. Poor guy. I did an episode on him yesterday. On, on it, when when see when you have a judge screaming at the prosecutor, telling them to to stop stop acting the way he because he the prosecutor is it's he knows the law but he's openly breaking the law, openly, where. He's when are they going to drop charges on I think, Binger? I think Monday. He, he, he I think, tampered. I, I think come Monday, Monday or Tuesday, it's going to be a mistrial. And screw mistrial. Well, Thomas Binger needs to go to jail for witness tampering. He asked state's witness to change his written testimony. That's a felony. He's he's like, do we, the prosecutor is like, do we ask you at any time to change your statement? He's like, yes. Yeah. So it was great. That was, that was a great answer. And I, you know, some part of me thinks the prosecution is purposely trying to throw this out. I've heard, I've heard that speculated. I don't, I don't think they want to charge this guy. I think they just want to get him on the misdemeanor charge for the for the gun. But even that, because once if they, I so so there's two 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 sides to this. If they get him on the misdemeanor charge for the gun, then the prosecution can completely change course and go after the the misdemeanor aspect of it, and make it that he illegally obtained the gun 
and now two, uh, one person is dead, one person. I I think I know they screwed the pooch on but, that too because he didn't. Uh, if, if my understanding is correct, if he ha- because miners can use rifles, they can't take right. possession of or own pistols, but they can rifles. And if they do have those rifles, the state line. I haven't read into the specifics of Kenosha stupidity, uh, but the state line has no bearing. If I'm 17 years old and I live in, uh, well, that's a crap hole, not tri-state area, uh, but I live in like Pennsylvania, where Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Virginia kind of converge, I can take my rifle in all three of those states. It's totally and, fine. And I, and I think that's the thing. That I, and I think that's the only thing they got is the misdemeanor charge for, the, for, the, for, for him having the gun. Even that's not going to stick. So I think uh, the prosecutor purposely tried to well, throw this entire case out by. Well, that that's not true. That's not true because there's there's a legal problem where if he's breaking the law uh, on the misdemeanor charge, because there is a law, especially regarding firearms, that if you committed a crime and during the commission of that crime, other crimes happen, you're culpable for it all. Yeah, uh, which is. Which is an angle that right? I don't know what this prosecutor is doing. He's not going to get a murder charge. I know that the the way it's going, the even prosecutors uh, like key witness took a biggest dump on that case that you can ever see. (laughs) Uh, So Chelsea, I I told you before, I feel like this trial, Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial, but the Second Amendment's on trial because. When Gage comes onto the stand and says he didn't shoot me until I pointed my gun at him, it <laughs> makes it very clear. He just testified on the record that this is a self-defense shooting. I pointed my gun at him. He pointed his bigger gun at me and shot me. And then I freaked out. He vaporized my arm. So the fact that we're still in court right now makes me feel like the Second Amendment, the basic right to defend yourself, is on trial. What are your thoughts? You know, I first of all, I'll, I'll preface by saying I'm not a legal expert, okay? <laughs> so I'm, I'm not pretending that I'm, you know, uh, any kind of authority on, you know, uh, the, the legal aspect of the case. I, I'm, I'm not at all. Um from what I have seen of the trial, and I haven't watched all of it, I've watched bits and pieces. Um, from what I have seen, it certainly looks like a, a pretty blatant self-defense situation. You know, if somebody is uh, following you, running after you, pointing a firearm at you, and and you respond by defending yourself with a firearm, I mean, that seems pretty cut and dry to me. And again not a legal expert and not following the case, um, you know, completely not watching all of it. Um, it would appear that way to me. Uh, now what I will say for sure is that the memes coming out of it have been pretty hilarious and I've been appreciating all of those. So whoever is making these Kyle Rittenhouse memes, like that's pretty on point. Um, but what I, what I do see in this whole trial and what you see from a lot of the media coverage, unless you're talking about some more conservative outlets like the Daily Wire, um, what, what I have noticed is a pretty concerted effort in a lot of the legacy media, like the articles that you'll see from CNN 
or uh, the Washington, uh, the Washington Post, New York Times, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it seems to me from the from the little bit that I have followed from this trial um, that there is an effort to paint paint this as it was not a self defense situation. Uh, it seems like they're leaving out a lot of. It was it was a hate crime. Didn't he kill six black right. people? That's what right. CNN said. Right, and it it's. It's all tied to these riots last summer and BLM, and so it's it's so politicized that I don't know. BLM. I heard Kyle Rittenhouse launched a Klan rally in Kenosha, killed six black people, and that's what. What are you talking about? BLM and riots. Right, right. Um, so all of it has has gotten completely politicized, and so I don't know if if I would say that the effort is is more targeted towards Second Amendment rights, um, or if it is just more um, more of this push for woke ideology, right? And and uh, I, I can't say for sure on, on that. Um, but we do know that anytime you see... We do know that the legacy media doesn't like firearms, right? And and uh, they don't like self-defense. They don't like the Second Amendment. And uh, so I definitely do think that the way that it is getting portrayed in the media is is certainly along the lines of, of all of their other, uh, you know, anti-gun sentiment. I think it fits it's fits pretty pretty right in with that. Now I have heard things. Well, there's God. I have heard things, you know, about the the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, and I don't know if this is true or it's not true about how it could have potentially been like a straw man purchase that apparently like a friend of his who was who was uh, over 18 purchased the firearm for him. If it's a straw man purchase, of course, that changes some things. Uh, but well, a, a straw purchase is when you purchase a firearm with the intent of giving it to someone who can't lawfully own a firearm. Um, so if the friend bought him, the, uh, say, a Glock 27, like was pointed at his face, and you give a Glock 27 to a minor, that's a felony. Right. That's a straw purchase. I don't think that was the case, though. It's not. Like, I, I can give a rifle. Yeah, I can give a rifle to my 16-year-old neighbor. That's that's totally fine. It's so weird. The the law as it relates to pistol versus rifle versus shotgun, it's, it it's these, these left-wing idiots that don't know the difference between them. they say things like fully semi-automatic um they've they've written the laws they they right. don't make these, these people don't understand a revolver is a semi-auto <laughs> this is what they don't understand a revolver going it's a semi-automatic weapon youtube's gonna fact check this now I mean, <laughs> They're gonna be like, that's, that's, we can't have this like seriously, but, this is not a single action rifle that you you you're discussing. A revolver, you, a revolver is a freaking automatic, a semi-automatic weapon. It is. Like how could that not? Trigger you know, that? think think about this. Those old cannons that the, you know, not a Gatlin gun, but like you could get, you could have a semi-automatic cannon. It's, the difference between semi-automatic and automatic is is pretty uh but but here's here's pretty important here you know when they say they they keep saying military style weapon even in the military the full auto is three bursts at a time because it depends on the rifle you get 
Right, but majority of issued rifles are three bursts at a time because if you just go on full auto, you're just gonna go like you know you you can't hold it. This is not, it's not something that you can actually control, and it's not accurate. So the, unless you the military lying. doesn't use AR-15s, that's just the whole I, of it. It's they use guys. M4s. Yeah, M4, M4, M16, right. something else. So but, you know, it's it's a completely different structure between from from AR-15 to M4 is a completely different build because the stability on the M4 than AR-15 is completely different. AR-15, you go full yeah. auto, there's no way you could control that thing. That thing will just go up and, you know, you need to anchor it down somewhere so it doesn't move. But M4 is different. The buffers are different. Everything is different about M4, the way it functions. And, uh, but when you when it comes down to a politician, almost more than 90% of them have not held a gun in their life. Yeah. They don't know how, they don't know how to shoot one. They, they've not, they, I don't think they've even seen one, you know, in like two feet away. They're I propose... If we get rid of the the test for if we're getting rid of something in firearm legislation, should be it must be applied to police and DSS, Secret Service, all that. Which is if we're going to get rid of semi-automatics, then a Secret Service agent should not be allowed to carry a semi-automatic. And one, the unions would pipe up then and be like, "Hey guys, this isn't a bad idea." Uh, one, because we can't stop criminals from getting these firearms. Okay. We got cartels stealing them literally from the military, not military style weapons, military weapons. M16s, what happened to that project? Fires, by the way, were those weapons ever recovered? <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the cartel recovered those, they know exactly yes. where they are. You know? No, absolutely. And 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 that's the thing. Uh, uh, I mean, the 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 argument that they have every time there is a shooting that involves a white guy or school shooting, they, they automatically go for the automatic weapon. They say, oh, it's a it's a full... Or, or the race. You know, they go for the race, or they go, oh, this is a full auto weapon, and blah, blah, blah. They don't even know what a full auto weapon is. They they, they think they're watching a uh, an action movie where the guy's, the guy's emptying out, like, a thousand rounds <laughs> in, like, 60... He keeps shooting and never running out of ammo. Right. You know, yeah. they, they don't know, you know, in a 30-round clip, can be emptied out in less than a minute. I I wish that my guns could do half of the stuff that awoke the vest. They're like, you can blow up trains and take down planes, and you you shoot one bullet, it goes through 12 people and a wall and a bear and a tree. Yes. It's like, no. This, uh, so we do is when you see in the movies where it's it's a person who has supposedly never picked up a firearm before in their life, you know. <laughs> They're in a high stress situation and they just pick it up and know exactly what to do and have perfect aim. Should and you like could be ended, like, yeah, that's my. And you could be Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, like, did you know if you guys watch The Walking Dead, everyone in The Walking Dead went from not handling firearms to I only shoot headshots. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's exactly how it works in the real life. You're immediately good at it. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Immediate. That's that, and that, and that's the thing. And then this is what they're trying to portray as as Cal. This guy was on. I mean, I have to give it to the kid, man. He had like good trigger control. Like in the way the way he handled it, it was, it was, it was. Uh, it looked like he was well trained mm-hmm. on handling that rifle. Um, so it's unfortunate the situation. Uh, yeah. But 
I don't think this should. I don't think this is going to be grounds for any Second Amendment argument of any kind. No, I well, don't. It, it's in Banger's hands. There. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we will definitely have more about Kyle Rittenhouse soon. Demis and I are talking offline, and when, when I'm when I stop being lazy and edit the footage, there's like ten hours of footage. Uh, <laughs> anyway, when when I get through it, then we'll have that episode. Um, we're coming up to the end. I, I got to get Patriot Labs up here, um, and he asks, "Do y'all believe other states will follow Virginia's lead?" Uh, that lead being, we elected this great American, Mr. Glenn Youngkin, is going to be the next governor of Virginia, uh, along with Lieutenant Governor-elect Winston Sears and Attorney General-elect uh, Jason Miaris, who is going to be investigating, you know, Fairfax schools, Loudoun County schools, sexual assaults, all of this cover-up, and um, basically everything that Demis and I and other parents have been fighting for for between eight to eighteen months. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think that we're going to see this movement carry on the 2022 and the 2024 cycles? Is it just a blip? Uh, again, we're not the experts. We're just three people that got on YouTube and started chatting. Uh, but what say you, uh, Chelsea, you want to go first? Yeah, if I had to guess, I think there probably is going to to be some more of this uh, red wave momentum going into 2022. Um, first of all, it, it in this last election, it wasn't just Virginia. If you look at uh, the governor's race in New Jersey, uh, Phil Murphy barely squeezed out a win. And New Jersey should have been a state for Democrats where there was absolutely no competition at all. Um, and so I think that you're definitely going to see Republicans take back uh, the House and Senate um, in 2022. Um, and, you know, Biden's approval numbers right now are abysmal. Kamala Harris's are even lower. I don't even know how that's possible, but she ha- she's at like 28 <laughs> percent, um, and uh, which I believe is like the lowest uh, approval rating for a vice president in recorded history. Um, and with numbers like that, I just don't see how. Uh, I think she made the Guinness World Record. <laughs> She could hold hold the the world record. Which, you know, yeah. Finally, finally, get a female vice president, and this is what we get. I'm, you know, uh, deeply disappointed over that. But, you know, uh, yeah, I think we're definitely going to see uh, this red wave continue. Um, you know, people like to pretend that they care about all the woke talking points when it makes them popular. To I don't know, post a black square on Instagram. Uh, but at the end of the day, most Americans care about their kids and their education. They care about the economy. They care about how much they're paying at the grocery store. And with inflation the way that it is, the handling of Afghanistan, the low approval numbers for Democrats right now, um, I don't see how uh, anybody could look at 2022 and think it's looking good for Democrats. Wait a minute now. Well, you need to go back to Instagram. So if 10 million people post black squares uh, but don't do anything to address, say, gun violence in Chicago where 50 and 60 uh, black kids and teens get shot every weekend, the, the black square is not doing anything to help solve these societal issues. Wait, what, what's the black square? I'm sorry. I don't know about this black square. This thing. was during the George Oh, Lord. Here, yeah. 
It was the it's it was a like solidarity. Everybody was supposed to yeah post a black square on their Instagram for for solidarity and you know basically oh. what that was was you know well I have Virtue to do this so that none of my friends think I'm racist and yeah it's almost like you know these these you know token virtue signaling uh, things like posting the black square on your Instagram. It's almost like it doesn't actually do anything. Yeah, and I didn't see any yeah. American flags when those 13 servicemen died in Afghanistan either. Right, you didn't, yeah. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah I mean, they go virtue signal all they want. It's And and going back to that question, I think once, if, I think people are realizing, people are starting to waking up. As, as I said, the New Jersey race, the, the government race was very, very close. And the fact that a truck driver won over a, a, a lifelong Democrat. I think it was the the yeah. Um, uh, what was his position? He's a um, uh, super uh, Democrat supervisor, something. I forgot. I forgot his position. But man, he destroyed him. A truck driver destroyed a lifelong. Yeah, he was like the chairman or the president of yeah something the like, caucus yeah, or something. something. And 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 that and that's in New Jersey. That goes to show yeah. how close these races are getting, especially now Pennsylvania as well. Pennsylvania was a very, very close race. And you you're gonna see next year midterm election, Democrats are gonna blow up. Their head's gonna blow up. I guarantee <laughs> you, if we continuously expose their 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 hypocrisy. And their 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 satanic ideology. I'm telling you, people are waking up because Loudoun County was ground zero for the for the whole school system. Now you see the entire country is falling in line. Entire country, all the parents are getting out of their house from suburbia everywhere. They're going to these meetings. Now they're waking up it's like, holy crap, we've been sleeping this entire time when our kids are being targeted. Mm-hmm. So you don't think that's gonna trigger people? Mm-hmm. Of course there is. Again. I talked to a, a liberal friend of mine, you know, during the election. I was like, "Bro, you gotta, you gotta vote for Young guy." He's like, "No, I'm not voting for him because he's affiliated with Trump." I said, "How the hell is he affiliated?" I said, "He he didn't even mention Trump once in his speeches." He said, "No, Trump endorsed him." I said, "Okay." I said, "If if uh, Khomeini comes or like Khamenei comes and endorses uh, Joe Biden, you're gonna take his word because he's not an extremist." You know what I mean? So, like, it's how they... I'm pretty sure the Taliban have endorsed Joe Biden. I mean, you know, he made Taliban great again. I I tell you that. So, you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things. He's he's made a lot of things great again that's against the United States. And, and, you know, that's coming from me. You know, who lived abroad, who's seen poverty, who's seen crime, who's seen death. And, you know, coming here and seeing all this destruction, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to defend this, this liberal agenda uh, until I don't even know when, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. I, I lived a liberal life. I, I do have liberal views in some cases. Um, I don't I, I don't consider myself as a hard right individual. I'm, I, I think I'm very central. I, I feel like everybody should be equally treated, equal, you know, equal rights is for everybody. You know, we're all human. We all bleed the same color. Uh, you know, the skin color doesn't mean anything to me. It's, it's it's how you approach a person. So Joe and I, we've been talking for, for a while now. You know, I've, I approached Joe when I first saw him. I respectfully, he, he, you know, he returned the same respect back to me. 
And, you know, had he not done that, we would not be sitting here and talking. It was, he he responded to me in a very respectful way. I, I, I approached him in a very respectful way. Now, had I gone to him in a different attitude, again, I would not be sitting I, I was wearing my white supremacist hat, guys. So, yes, the know. red one, right? Could have <laughs> been all bets or off. Yes. So, but, all right. But yeah, well, I mean, we are a little bit over. Um, so two things. Well, Chelsea, you'll get the last word. I'm going to ask you for a book recommendation here in a second so you can prepare for that. Um, I'm just, I got to get this conspiracy out there. So y'all heard it from me first. Uh, William <laughs> Tell says, AR suck. I disagree. Um, uh, but uh, hey, equal opportunity. Get them all. Get an AR 10 or what does Biden call an AR 14? Get a, an AR 16, whatever. I don't care. Get your double barrel shotguns, get rifles. Uh, definitely get an AK 47. I want an AK 47. You can find the address you can send it to, and then we'll have the, the FFL transfer, of course, done. Um, but you can find that address on my website if you go to thejomobileshow.com. Click on the contact page and let me know what wonderful AK-47 you're going to send my way. Uh, but here's the conspiracy right here. Some people are thinking, and I saw this in one of my Twitter chat groups, so I didn't come up with this myself, and I can't credit the guy who did. I don't recall his name, but you know who you are. Uh, <laughs> is thinking that Trump wanted to be 45 America's caliber in 1911. Uh, and... AK-47, <laughs> so 45 <laughs> and 47. But then here's the thing, follow-on conspiracy, if he does become 47 and this AK thing catches on, then they'll impeach him again for Russia collusion because, of course, uh, the Kleshenkov being Russia's favorite firearm, which isn't even true. It's everyone's favorite firearm. It's all over the Middle East, Africa, Europe. You you can't go anywhere Uh the AK-47 is to the world what the AR-15 is to the states. Like, you can't yes. throw a rock without hitting an AR-15 holder here, uh, owner here, or an AK-47 owner anywhere else, okay? These weapons just work, period. Just don't buy uh, the Chinese version. <laughs> yeah. I got, you know, we're doing free commercials for everyone today. <laughs> this, which is not loaded. Okay, YouTube safety Nazis. Uh, this is a Daniel Defense weapon, and I freaking love this thing. It's not named yet, so um, if you if you've got names and know people, I I haven't shot anyone. People look at here and they're like, oh, there's some rounds missing. Um, I short load uh, one. I am a military veteran. I know a thing or two about firearms. I short load these. There's 29 rounds in here, uh, not 30, um, and. You can disagree with me about spring tension in magazines, and I'll just be super frank. I don't give a shit. You you base your life, you bet your life on your weapons and tactics, and I'll bet mine on mine. Uh, plus, if I'm I need to, I'm very this offended rifle. looking at that gun, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so that's all. You heard that conspiracy here first. We are going to. Chelsea now, where uh, one, you can follow her on Instagram. I know I'm going to mess it up, so I got to look at it. It's c.lions.photos, or you can just click on the link below because there's a link to her Instagram profile in the show notes of this episode that you are watching. 
and Chelsea posts all kinds of cool stuff. I am very jealous that she gets to travel with her rather studly husband. Miss that guy. Uh, tell him I said tell him I said hi, but also uh, congrats. He has he pinned major yet, or he came out on the list. Uh, he, uh, he came out on the list. He'll be pinned in the spring. That is awesome. So huge, happy Veterans Day uh, to him. But now, Major Lions. That's very cool. Very cool. Congratulations to you both. So, book recommendation time. Chelsea, if you could get everyone on Earth to read and understand one book, uh, what would you pick and why? You can't pick the Bible. It's just, you know, all Christians would pick that. All Muslims would pick Quran. Um, but if you could just snap your fingers, boom, everyone's read this one book and understands that they freaking get it. What would you pick and why? Yeah. So, uh, cynical theories by Angela Pluckworth. Oh, never even and, heard of this. Uh, James Lindsay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll do a little free advertisement for, uh, James Lindsay. So everybody should definitely listen to the new discourses podcast. Um, it is, I think that that book is essential in understanding the, uh, the corruption within modern academia and uh, the very, very thoroughly explains both in the book and in his podcast, uh, very thoroughly explains uh, the, the ideology of uh, CRT and Hegelian dialectics and neo-Marxism that has bled its way through the school system from the universities and, and now trickling down. So yeah, Cynical Theories by Angela Pluckworth and uh, and James Lindsay. Awesome. So we, we told everyone where they can follow you. Uh, when you write your book, we'll have you back on and we can be yeah. plugging your book. Uh, Demis, where can people follow you and check out your show, my man? Yes, uh, please uh, follow me at Immigrant Corner on YouTube, at Immigrant Corner on Gab and uh, Rumble. Also, check out my website, realimmigrantcorner.com. We have some cool merchandise in there for you guys to to purchase. Uh, also, if you want to make a donation to the show, that'd be great. Um, we are the, the website is being developed as almost every day, so I'm adding more stuff to it. Uh, we do. Uh, you could also follow me on Twitter under Demis Christophe. Um, I'm, I'm all over the place. I, don't, I, I can't keep track of these social media accounts anymore. <laughs> so, there's so many. Uh, and locals. Your locals. Yes, and locals. Yes, that's I just where people can pay and support and I'm us. also on Apple, uh, Apple Podcast under Immigrant Corner. So, so I will be on Spotify soon. I, I'm, I'm only one guy, so I'm trying to <laughs> get as much as I can. So... Uh, please, please go ahead and subscribe and share and like Joe's channel, my channel. Get the word out, guys. We're here. We're fighting the fight. We're 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 trying to uh, try to wake as many people up as possible. We're trying to get the mentality out of the. We, we're trying to have people come together again, not to be separated. Left or right doesn't matter. We we all human. We all need to coexist one way or another. It's it doesn't benefit anybody other than politicians. So having a separation between society only benefits the politician, only gives more power to the government, only allows the government to control you even further than you losing, you know, your freedom. So if you want freedom, do not give up your security. That's all it is. You you give now up. Now that that's security. a conspiracy <laughs> worth looking into. The politicians <laughs> want divisiveness so they get more power, money, and influence. 
I, I don't know. That that I'm sounds sorry. nuts, man. I, that that couldn't know, be real. Coming from a guy who lived in a dictatorship, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, guys, Demis and I, we get your messages, we get your chats, we get your emails. Thank you for all the love. So many people want us to do this more, more nights a week, and uh, we're thinking about it, but we have jobs and, and families. So definitely support our shows. Go to our locals communities. Uh, both of us have shops. I, I think, Demis, I think you're shop. You I just, just said that you're still developing the shop or the site. Shop, the shop has few few items in there, but um, uh, uh, as my designs are being uh, finalized, I'm adding adding more material in there. So go ahead so and check guys, out whatever's on there right now. I could uh, we could definitely use the donations and the help from the merchandise sales to uh, better develop the show, the, better develop the channel. You know, get 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 the word out there. So. Uh, we could we could definitely help get get help from you guys. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 do what our budgets and our spouses allow us to do. Yes. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, I can't thank you enough. I had a good time. Uh, crazy engagement in the chat. You had you have a lot of fans uh, here in the chat. I didn't get to put all of your comments on, guys. Apologies. Uh, but that's the end of the show. Thanks for hanging on. We are 15 minutes over. And that's okay. I hope you enjoyed the show. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.